This is the Hawthorne 73 Drive Podcast. Design, rigor, innovate, victory, everyone. What's driving you? Hello and welcome to another episode of the D73 Drive Podcast. I am one of your hosts, John Reed, the Director of Instructional Technology for the Hawthorne School District in Vernon Hills, Illinois. Hi, I'm Karen Maturo. I'm the Assistant Superintendent of Innovative Learning. We are so glad you're back or you're joining us for the first time today. Thank you. So Karen, we've actually gone through our first cycle of the Drive Podcast. We've gone through the D-R-I-V-E and we're back to the D again. Mm -hmm. So we're back to design and design oftentimes when we have these weeks and these episodes, we are talking about ways that you can incorporate technology into your classroom or ways that you can design innovative experiences for your students. And it's no coincidence that I use the word cycle when I said we've gone through the drive cycle so far, because we're gonna talk about a different kind of cycle. I wanna talk first about the design thinking process. Some of you may have heard of this before. If you've gone to workshops or conferences and you've heard of design thinking, if you've taught STEM or science or anything like that, any kind of engineering, then this maybe is the, the definition of this and the understanding of this comes very naturally to you. But this is something that could be used in any subject area. And we're going to talk, once I kind of talk through what design thinking is, kind of separate from the idea of just the education world, we're going to talk about one that we have been doing a little bit of reading on that is specific to K-12 education, and a little bit more of a student-friendly, I think they call it, mm -hmm. version of the design thinking process. So if you've never heard of design thinking, basically what that is, is that is a way for you to think through a problem, come up with a solution, prototype that solution, and then get it out to the user or customer or, or whatever language they want to use, depending on what the project is. So there are five steps to the design thinking process. Step one is empathize, that is research and understand the needs of your users or your clients or whatever you want to call. Part two, define. You need to state the user's needs and what the problems are. Part three, ideate, to challenge your assumptions, create ideas. This is the brainstorming phase. Four, prototype, start to create some solutions, whether that's actual physical solutions, whether it's creating something digital or virtual, whatever the case may be, that is where you really start to build what your ideas are going to be. Part four is prototype and start to create the solutions that will help answer the initial problems that you identified from your users or your clients. And then finally, part five is test. Make sure that you take that prototype, test it out, get feedback on it. It has to be out to that authentic audience, those users, so that you know whether or not it's successful and whether or not anything needs to be done to start some of the process over again and redesign if need be. So that is the design thinking process. And again, you may have heard of that in different areas, but Karen, why don't you tell us a little bit about a slightly different process, yep. but it is is couched in very student-friendly. Right, I, and I think as educators, we often heard about problem-based learning and some of us who've been around when that was a big thing, it was so open-ended that kids were doing anything that they wanted and they were working for weeks and weeks on one problem that never got to their prototype. So tightening up that process, of what does it look like and how does it fit into what we're already doing, like innovating inside the box, like George Forrest talks to us about. But really what we're gonna be talking about John Spencer's and AJ Giuliani's launch design thinking process. And they talk about that this process is getting the most 
out of the creative process. So getting our kids to be creative because we know what happens, all the research that kids come to school really creative as kindergartners. And the sad thing is that the research shows we are teaching the creativity out of students that they don't think that there are more than one way to solve a problem. They think there's only one. So we want to really get the most out of that creative process. And I love how he starts off a lot of his thinking, John Spencer and AJ Giuliani talk about asking your own children, what did you create in school today? Or what did you make in school today? And they talk about oftentimes, more often than not, their, their own children are saying nothing. And, but when they do say that they've created something or made something in school, they're so excited and I get to tell them about this and, you know, that creativity is just oozing. So design thinking works within the standards. It's a flexible approach and it's a way to get kids to do innovative work on things that they're already doing. So. And for my language arts friends, I don't want to like arts and language arts. I don't want to scare anybody off if you're thinking. Well, design thinking, I've always heard of that related to like STEM, right. math, science, and engineering, and all that. It's not just for that. Like as as we've been talking through and as I've been reading more on this launch cycle idea and design thinking, there are ways where I, as a former language arts teacher, I'm sitting here looking at this going, I could totally apply this to writing. I can totally apply this to anything that I would do with my students in a language arts classroom that then could have an authentic audience and purpose beyond just getting them to practice and learn writing. And exactly. Well, they talk about like, there's such a universal use for design thinking because it is about getting kids to ask more questions mm -hmm. and to make more connections. And I mean, oh, come on. That's what we want. Our learning to have connections to, you know, one question leads to 15 additional questions. That's how we get kids motivated, excited to totally get their hands dirty with the content that we're providing. So let's talk about the process. Let's talk about the launch process. Yeah, so much like our old podcast, which is a little bit of an acronym for different terms, launch is also an acronym for the steps in the process. The first step is L, look, listen, and learn. And this part in, in times where I've heard AJ Giuliani and John Spencer talk about this, they talk about this being really all about awareness, being aware of what potential problems are. What is there out there that we could solve? Um, and especially for our students, depending on what their age is, they are reaching ages while they're here with us at Hawthorne, where they're really starting to explore, what can I do as a, as a lowly middle school student? What can I do to help change the world? What can I do to positively impact the community around me? This is this awareness piece, this look, listen, learn that really gets to the idea of helping them figure that stuff out. And I think this is the part too, for me, that's that real world relevant connection. Like yeah. here we go, like, what does this have to do with me? There's my look, listen and learn. Like, who cares if we're learning this? Well, here's why. Like if we want kids to do that. The second A is ask tons of questions. And we know sometimes this is a problem for our students. They're always waiting for teachers to ask them questions. This is the reversal. So getting kids to think outside the box and go, what, what else do I want to know? What questions do I have to ask? You know, how big of a problem is this? Does it affect me as an 11 year old? Have other solutions been brought forward before? I mean, how fun is this? A total list of questions. This is what I'm wondering about. We've seen some of those in classrooms. Yeah. And so then you is understanding the process or the problem. 
this is where research kind of gets built in. Uh, this is where you really start to learn more about as you've started to become aware of what, uh, what issues you can tackle. Ask tons of questions. This is where it's time to find expert opinions, find different ways that you can research this problem and maybe people could have dealt with it before. Mm -hmm. We have one of the benefits of being here in the Libertyville, Vernon Hills, Mundelein area is we have a lot of businesses around here. So if students are trying to work out a way, whether it's related to the arts, whether it's, I mean, we have a lot of stuff. You don't have to go as far as Chicago to get experts on whatever field it is that you're trying to tackle. But that's what that understanding process or problem is for the you is getting into the research piece of it. And that's where I think sometimes the problem-based learning, sometimes we talk about the yeah. projects that just go and go and go, go and they don't, is where the research part doesn't necessarily get built in. Yeah, what's an authentic? Right, yeah. right. So if that part is just as important as anything. And I think that's what leads to the end, navigating ideas. Like not every idea is a good idea. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes in our classroom, let's brainstorm. And so we come up with all these ideas. Some of them are not feasible. Some of them are cost effective. Some of them can't be sustained. So this is not only coming up with ideas when you navigate ideas, but it's really analyzing ideas, combining ideas, seeing who already did it and then trying to do it better. So I think too, as we're talking about what didn't go as well, in problem-based learning, here was a spot that we, we, we like let kids, any idea was a good idea. Like, oh, you're being creative. So yay, hey, where we really started to, this is really higher order, evaluating our ideas and seeing which ones actually work. Well, the C is create a prototype. And so no matter what this is, whether you are, and I like, I think they have a, a kind of little uh, tutorial video on their website to really show what this launch cycle is. And I like where they have this part. They show it could be making something digitally on a right. computer. You could be making something out of duct tape and, and wooden dowels. It really doesn't matter. But this create a prototype is whatever ideas you've come up with, whatever you've researched, this is where you're creating something that tries to help solve that problem. That could be a piece of music. That could be a visual composition. I'm thinking back to some of the stuff that Sam Harmio was talking about a couple episodes ago, having that real world audience, but that prototype that doesn't matter what it is, could be a piece of writing, could actually be a, an object that you create so that you're going to use that object in some way to solve some type of a problem. And I, it, I think the term prototype gets sometimes teachers all worried, like you were saying earlier, like this has got to be like a rocket design. It sounds science. It does sound science -y. And a prototype, like you were saying, could be a letter to an editor. Yeah. A prototype can be a book cover like that would entice middle schoolers to read the book. So what real people do in the real world. And this is then where we get to after we're creating this prototype, we're highlighting what's working and what do we need to fix? It's kind of like you just said testing, right? Like in the design, this is our test. Like, is it doing what we intended it to do? So if I'm creating a book cover to entice middle school students to read, when I show it to middle schoolers, do they want to read this book or not? So I'm analyzing what's working, what's not working. Talk about higher order thinking, talking about being involved in the work, real world. This is what real world workers do is they test, highlight, fix their prototype. I love movies. And so this, this highlight and fix oh. step makes me think of like test audience. Yes. Like when a director has made their movie and they want to test it in front of a very select group of people and kind of get their feedback on it before they do the big launch. 
of the movie to the general public, that is, you're, you're really, you're showing it off, but you're showing it off kind of in draft form, almost finished form, but that's where you are getting the, what are the last minute fixes? What are the things we didn't think about along the way that only someone else would think about? Maybe a, a fresh set of eyes coming to this. And I uh, could see this in the classroom, how awesome this would be. You have your prototype today. The idea is to give you like, is it doing what it's supposed to do? Do you have other ideas? Can you imagine a classroom of kids looking at all different types of prototypes and what's working and what's not? I mean, yeah. wow. Yeah. And then obviously, eventually you launch this to an authentic audience. And I think that's the goal of these type of projects. But I think the goal of any time, if you wanted to ask a student, whether it was your own child that comes home after a long day at school, if you're gonna ask them, what did you make in school today? If it's something that doesn't get launched to an authentic audience, to a public audience uh, in some ways, it's not quite a, it's not gonna be quite as exciting. Right. You know, you might still be excited about something you made in school, but imagine it's something you made and then you put it out there right. in the world. I think that's where it becomes even more exciting for our students. And I, I do think I keep going back to that question that you talked about. What did you create or make in school today? It's about doing something with the content. We talk about this a lot. Like if you truly understand, you know, sixth grade social studies, what are you doing with that information? Like what are you creating? What are you doing? How are you transferring it? How are you applying it? I think every educator, every teacher should think about how do we make these things real world, have kids do something with their understandings, make something, create something, design something. We would have more engagement, deeper understanding of content. So we're hoping that you think about this launch cycle of design thinking, remember L-A-U-N-C-H, and try some of yours of these things in your classroom and then let us know let that, that they could be on our victory yeah. episode that would be awesome we'll bring you on the podcast and and don't worry don't be shy it is it is totally fine we are we are laid back people <laughs> any conversation you have with us it's totally going to be fine and it's real you can ask sam and you can ask megan they've been on here so yes if you're if you're nervous about being on in one of the victory episodes just talk to them i can't wait to see what hawthorne staff is going to do with this launch if you want to go check out the book that we mentioned in here, it is John Spencer and AJ Giuliani. It is called Launch, Using the Design Thinking Process to Boost Creativity and Bring Out the Maker in Every Student. I believe they're also through his website, ajgiuliani.com. There's a lot of really good videos. He's on Instagram, yep. Twitter. Both of them are all over with a lot of great ideas. All right. Everybody, thank you so much. We thank will see you, you back here next week. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the D73 Drive podcast. Design, rigor, innovate, victory, everyone. What's driving you?